Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, we got a lot to unpack today. Some good, some bad, some things happy, some sad. First off, I just want to look over the last regular season game for the Cats. It was a tough one, not at the dunk, but Alumni Hall over in Providence College. The Wildcats lost to Providence 54-52. to And if you missed it, Nova actually rallied from an insane 17-point halftime deficit, had a chance to win, didn't exactly execute the best down the stretch and from the free throw line, and they led it one point in the closing minutes, but unfortunately, a David Duke tip-in and a missed shot by Jeremiah Robinson Earl sealed the Wildcats' fate and handed them their second loss in five games. The loss was bad, but what was even more alarming was another injury with Justin Moore in a boot, on the sideline, getting hurt in the first half. I figured this was going to be one of those games from the get-go when Jerry missed a wide-open dunk. And I'm like, all right, I get it. This is going to happen, isn't it? You know, they played a few more minutes, and they looked completely awful. The offense was stagnant, and they weren't hitting anything again, kind of reverting back to the games of the past week or so. And Providence was having a field day with uh, David Duke, a lot of step-back jumpers, making them. Uh, Nate Watson was feasting on the inside, and that two-headed monster was really causing problems for the Cats basically the entire game, but especially in the first half. Then Justin Moore goes down with the injury, and that's when you just threw your hands up. And you're like, when is enough enough? <laughs> like, come on. Like, the entire starting backcourt's gone now due to injury. And we'll, it's just so sad. But then, you know, they come out in the second half after a little bit of a run to end the first half. They look really good start chipping away. They got to the free throw line a lot. They ended up shooting 23 free throws in total compared to Providence's nine. Jermaine Samuels was, was probably the key cog in the comeback, getting to the rim, making some layups, making some add ones, getting to the line as well. I was very impressed with how he kind of took over at the end. They had a chance to win it, didn't hit their free throws to kind of get that opportunity. But then David Duke t- taps in a game-winning tip in with about like two seconds left and you had the hail mary pass that actually worked jerry was had a wide open shot for three and as has been the case for the past month or two he bricked a uh, long range shot and that was kind of deflating but very impressed with them in the sense that they came back because we have not seen that all year and not just that considering the circumstances you have your second injury in a week mm-hmm. your top two two of your top three scorers are out you're already down by 17. I expected them to just spiral out of control, but I guess you got to credit Jay. You got to credit Chris Archidiakno and Brian Antoine for stepping up and showing some attitude there. Could you believe Chris Archidiakno was playing 25 minutes in the last Another the big game. surprise. Another yes. big surprise. And now people are talking about starting him, and they're not kidding this time. People were kidding before that game, but then mm. all of a sudden when you saw him playing extended minutes – for someone who hadn't played that much, I give him – he didn't hit his shots. I'm not going to, like, sugarcoat it. He had zero points. He didn't shy away from the moment. Like, he was not overwhelmed at all, it looked like. Yeah, I guess in terms of controlling the offense, it wasn't too bad. There were a couple of shot clock violations and, and whatnot, but I think most of them kind of came early on. But as the game progressed, it, they kind of figured it out a bit. But he had four uh, – sorry, two assists, four rebounds. He was getting aggressive. On the defensive end, he wasn't too shabby. They, Providence kind of isolated him defensively and got a lot of matchups they wanted against them, and 
they really weren't working out. He's actually kind of held his own on the defensive end. I appreciate that he came in and filled in okay. I mean, but you got to hit those shots, dude. All three, all three, all four, I'm sorry, were threes. And uh, not one of them went in. I mean, granted, the rest of the team wasn't shooting well, but you hit one, the whole game changes. But I'm not blaming it on him, not whatsoever. I'll also pull up another key stat. Just like his older brother, Chris, the assist to turnover ratio, two to one. Two to one, baby. <laughs> on the road, first time playing extended minutes, was not overwhelmed. Still took care of the ball. And in a game where you were down by 17 at half, you couldn't afford to lose any extra possession. No, no. They actually could have kind of took care of the ball pretty much well the entire game. Only eight turnovers on the on the day. There wasn't there wasn't any late that I thought were bad. I think Jermaine, no, it wasn't Jermaine. Someone lost the ball inside one time. I think it was Jerry dribbled it off his leg, but I think that was probably the most backbreaking turnover. But it wasn't that too bad that bad because I believe Villanova eventually ended up taking the lead later on. But yeah, this game is just uh, chalked up to just not making your shots again and uh, just starting out really poorly and losing another guard. <laughs> yeah, like, it was unfortunate because you wanted to see how this team was going to respond and things went from bad to worse real quick in that first half. Yeah, they certainly did. It was just a snowball effect that between the missed shots and then Nate Watson doing whatever he wanted inside, then just losing more. And then they kind of seemed so deflated. Then they had that little bit of a run in the, at the end of the first and kind of sparked them into the second half. But then after that, it was they, they clawed their way back. And I know I mentioned it before, but Jermaine Samuels was on, was on something. He, he was yeah, big fantastic. hand Jermaine stepping up, showing some leadership, senior co-captain. He was huge in that second half, I thought. He certainly was. Like I say, getting to the rim and taking, taking the ball and being aggressive with it, which was something the entire team was not doing. So passive, so passive. A lot of ball movement at the top of the key and just around the perimeter. And it was, you know, like I'm all for ball movement, but eventually someone's got to shoot the ball. And then sometimes they just didn't shoot it or get an open shot. It, it just wasn't all that impressive. But I mean, even so, but at least, uh, you know, Eugene, at the end of the day, we can at least say Eric Dixon is still alive. And I'm glad for that. He, he played all right. He got back down by Nate Watson, got destroyed on the defensive end, but he went right back down. I think it was either a possession or two later. And made a layup right out right over him. So glad to see he's alive. Yeah, it was definitely good to see him. It was nice to see Archie Diacono step up, Antoine playing some extended minutes. Those two are probably gonna have to be real big, depending on what happens now with more. Because you gotta think with him out, either one of them can get the start. And if they're not getting the start, the other guy's gonna be playing 20 plus off the bench again. I mean, yeah, they're gonna have to. Jay's forced to, to use his bench and his hand is forced, and he's gotta he's gotta make do with it. I don't know which way you roll. Personally, I would utilize Antoine more, but it doesn't look like it's going to be that way. Uh, just yeah, I was going to say, the fact that he had Archie Diakno out there um, in crunch time minutes, that was pretty mm. telling. Very telling. Extremely telling. So I think that's the way it's going to go. Also, just uh, one other note. And I, th- you know, before I bring that up, I think we would be overreacting a little bit more to this game if we if this game actually, I mean, it means something with tournament seating, but like for the Big East portion, it, it really didn't mean much. But then at the same time, we were kind of like saying, like, is this a good thing that they're coming back? Or is this a bad thing that they were even down to begin with? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think the overall takeaway is that you're obviously upset that you lost more, but also that the rest of the team just looked like absolute crap for about 30 minutes, basically. And it's just like, we can't have 10 minutes of the basketball against 
good teams or else you're going to lose. Like Providence is just offensively inept. That's why they were in this game. Yeah, that and, you know, as great as Duke and Watson are, it's kind of been like a double-edged sword for them. Like those two guys, definitely dynamic, two of the top five scorers in the Big East, great one-two punch, big man down low, and then you have someone dynamic like Duke. However, outside of that, they don't really get much going on. They lean on those two guys so much. And as we saw when Nova won the first time out against Providence, it was mostly because Duke and Watson were a no-show for most of that game and also the Sun. But, <laughs> right. you know, you look at the rest of the Providence team, credit to Noah Horschler, high school musical, as I like to call him. He had 10 points, 13 rebounds. Th- that was it. He only yeah. had a couple buckets here and there. Like, A.J. Reeves was a no-show. Alan Breed, who torched Nova last time out, only played six minutes. Like, I don't know what was going on over there. But like you also say, Chris, you got to look at it half full, glass half full. Villanova, the shooting under 33%, only 22% from deep and still had a chance to win. I don't know if this was – am I more upset at the missed opportunities or am I happy with the guts and the comeback in the second half, considering all the circumstances that led up to that point with two men down? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think it's the fact that this game really didn't mean much in the grand scheme of things. I, I know NCAA tournament seeding, but let's be honest, guys. Like, there were three, four seed, best case scenario to begin with. A win against Providence, I don't think changes much. So, I. Yeah, if there's ever a time to lose a game, it's always it was this one. before the tournaments. Honestly, though, like if, if Colin didn't get hurt, I probably would have been okay with like benching everybody to like just rest them up for the tournament <laughs> i'm not kidding like i why like why risk any like why risk any potential injury but i wanted but i guess with colin hurt i wanted to see the full team out there because i wanted to see how they would respond to that injury and play a full game without him and see how it would look and i think they needed to to, to kind of get it under their under their belt i mean practice you can only do so much in practice yeah exactly and i don't know what we said at halftime Chairs were thrown around. I don't even know if chairs were thrown around. Yeah, I don't know. But whatever adjustments or changes they made or what whatever wake-up call they needed, they turned it on in the second half. Unfortunately, they fell just short. Not too much going on outside of Jermaine Samuels. Yeah, Jeremiah Robinson Earl had a 11-13 and 13 double-double, but he was only 5-15 for 15 on the floor, missed all of his three-pointers. Brandon Slater, I loved his defensive energy. Guy had three steals, two blocks couple great rebounds great defensively but oh, those trips to the free throw line bro in the clutch minutes bro yo <laughs> you yo. can't you can't, you, you, you can't. I, I know and it's it's weird though because <laughs> the three key free throws he missed at the end actually ended up if you look at it like in a, in a net way actually kind of benefited nova in the long run because the, t- the first two that he missed, which were probably the most aggravating, the fact that he had an empty trip to the line, he followed that up with the next possession by hitting a three. Yeah. But I think Providence scored after that. I don't 100% remember. But either way, Pro- Slater hit a three. So you're like, so you're basically cursing out the guy. And then the next thing you know, he hits a three. And it's like, all right, never mind. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said anything bad. And then the next trip was a one and one. And he bricked the front end of the one and one, just over 30 seconds left. And then they fouled. And I'm like, why are you fouling? Just play it out defensively. You get the ball back. You, you can get a stop. Like it's Providence. They're, they're not. They haven't scored all all half. And they, but they ended up fouling Watson. I didn't realize who it was at the time, and I didn't realize also how bad Nate Watson was from the free throw. Oh line. yeah, no, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. 
So it ended up benefiting them because they got the ball back and then Jermaine tied it up with, uh, I believe, two free throws. So I, it's, it's like, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, it's, it, it didn't really harm them, but at the same time, it scares you down the road. Yeah, and now, Just like the rest of the team. <laughs> now we're, there are so many question marks going into this week between Justin Moore, how the team's going to respond, if he's going to play, definitely great because nobody's going to need it. If not, what's the starting five going to look like? What's the dynamic going to look like? Because with Gillespie gone, it didn't look pretty in the first 15 minutes. Then you got to think with Gillespie and Moore gone, what is that going to even look like? Do right. do we pull out the 2010-11 team? Could that give this team a run for their money? Like, what are, what is oh, it going to look like? No, no, please don't bring those up. <laughs> That's I, your, I, I thought South we Florida. burned the tape. I thought we put it in the past. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, you got you got either Georgetown or Marquette coming up on Thursday, and I know I said Marquette was dead, but now without potentially more, I'm terrified now yeah two very beatable teams under normal normal circumstances and i would say <laughs> even with more still very beatable but now you have two of your top three scores out i don't know <laughs> i don't know i have I no know. idea a lot of people are gonna have to grow up real quick over these next couple days it's a great point eugene and think we uh, kind of talked about this off air but we'll talk about it right now this team has not had like i mean granted this is pretty much the same for every team but this team is very very postseason inexperienced and last year was probably the killer too because of how that was going to be their initiation by fire you get that quote-unquote experience and whether or not you believe it actually helps in the long run it's up to you but in their minds they haven't played in a big east tournament none of these guys have really outside of jermaine and yeah and and colin but now he's hurt yeah so that's it everyone else is going to have to figure it out you're right and it's weird because even though they're young, they it's still been like a year or two. It's not like they're all freshmen. This isn't like an all Kentucky team or a Duke team. Like these guys have been around for a little bit. So the fact that they haven't had any experience is a little, a little scary. Yeah, and, and normally we can point to this team's experience and we can point to their veteran presences, but really, d- depending on you know who's in or out, the only guy who, able to play who's had postseason experiences big games remain everyone else if you're a sophomore younger you never even sniffed the postseason game it got canceled before you even got a, a go at it like jeremiah robinson earl hasn't played in a big east tournament game same with justin moore caleb daniels welcome to the big show right brandon slater and Cole wider yeah they were on the team but they were glued to the bench as freshmen on that phil booth and eric pascal squad so they didn't really get a go right yeah, I don't even know. I don't even remember them playing at all in the Big East tournament. Maybe Swider for a little Swider, bit. But... Yeah, Swider did get a little bit of burn. He got he started to inch his way towards rotation towards the end of that year. Right. Not enough to make you feel comfortable, I guess I should say. So, yeah, which is so it, weird because you know normally yeah. you think Villanova March. This is a team that's appeared in the Big East tournament finals every year since 2015, and they won four out of the last five. Right. A lot of winning and a lot of games, and yet this team seems to have played in none of them <laughs> outside of one healthy person. That's it. So who knows, man? Like, Georgetown scares me just because of Cutis Wahab and how Georgetown played him the first time out. And now that I say that, I guess Villanova did make a comeback in that game, but 
that was early on when we weren't fearing for our lives with this team. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that should be discounted, but you, you get what I'm saying. And Georgetown played them tough. And I don't know. I think if they get Villanova again, I think they, I'm not saying they'll win, but it's, it's going to be tough. And then even if Villanova wins that, you want to go up against Posh and St. John's again at the Garden? Yeah, without two of your key ball handlers. Oh, my God, that 40 minutes of hell. Good night. Press. Oh. Good, good night. Chris Archie Diacono, I wish you luck. That's the other thing, too. You could never count out an Archie Diacono in March. <laughs> uh you say that jokingly but it's uh it's it's gonna have to it's gonna have to happen if they want any chance of going back to the final and and then even if you and let's say Seton Hall beat St. John's like Seton Hall played Villanova very tough the last time they played each other and they're gonna be looking at how hurt Nova is and it's gonna be like Cobra Kai sweep the leg they don't care they don't care <laughs> they don't care, yeah. they don't care. <laughs> This is this is their perfect opportunity. This is the moment they've all been waiting for. <laughs> this, their is, this is lives. what Mamu was chopping down trees, fighting bears for. This was <laughs> that. This was that moment. His crowning moment at the garden. This is this is what his entire career has come up to, and despite Seton Hall basically choking at the end of the year to have any opportunity at being in the NCAA tournament, if they beat St. John's, like they couldn't have a, they have the path, they have the path. I'm just saying. So. Yeah. Yeah, Villanova's side of the bracket is is pretty up for grabs, depending on whether or not Moore is able to play. If he plays, I, I would honestly pencil Nova into the finals. Like I, I'd be pretty confident in that. It's the other side of the bracket, though. Crazy, craziness, craziness. Dude, that, that other side of the bracket is just insane. It's you, UConn. I mean, I know they're the sexy pick now to win the Big East tournament which is a shame because I wanted to have them be my biggest tournament champion if we were making predictions. But now that everybody else is picking them, they're no longer the sexy pick. <laughs> so they, they were so underrated. They've now become overrated in my mind. So, but then like Providence mucks it up with everyone. And if they lose to DePaul, then that I feel so bad. But then like Butler Xavier, like Xavier is like a weird team in which they seem to be good, but they're also not, but they also, but they beat Creighton. The other the, a couple weeks ago or last week, whenever it was, and then Butler like just beat Villanova last week, so they're they're gonna be fighting that out. It's it's gonna be a bloodbath, no doubt, no doubt. So on Justin Moore, there was a little bit of an update last night. It really didn't give away too much, honestly. I wouldn't even call it an update because I I think anybody with a brain and some common sense and just looking at how what happened in the Providence game could have deduced it themselves. But Villanova announced that the evaluation on Justin Moore's injury is a severe ankle sprain and that he'll be doubtful for the Big East tournament. Honestly, I'm not surprised. I was looking at it and you kind of hoped and you wished that it would be better news. But then you look at the boot that he came out in after his injury during that Providence game. You knew that wasn't going to be like an overnight thing. You couldn't just take Tylenol and I set up and be back the next day. Mm -hmm. Mm-mm. Yeah, no matter how many times you rice it up or whatever the fr- yep. uh, good protocol is. As someone would... who's been injured a lot, it's definitely yeah. rice. Yeah, I was going to ask you for your full-blown uh, expertise analysis on that <laughs> issue. <laughs> but uh, I, I, don't, I didn't think he was going to be able to play the whole tournament. Now, they do say doubtful, so they do leave it intentionally vague. And I guess that's sort of kind of some game, gamesmanship and whatnot. So I guess he's still technically available to play in that first of uh, the first game against Georgetown and Marquette. So I guess we'll kind of break it down with him being able 
kind of speculating that he won't be able to play, but we'll also kind of factor in maybe he will play as well. So yeah, that's pretty much, I pretty much what I expect. The walking boot wasn't for, for decoration or it wasn't like a fashion statement by any means. We, he was hurt and I'm upset that it's bad enough to where he might miss this entire thing. Yeah. And even when he first got hurt, they called it a severe ankle sprain. They said it was pretty serious, obviously not as serious as Collins injury, but they knew it was pretty bad. The doubtful part does kind of open the door a little bit. Maybe if Nova makes it towards the end, maybe we see a return. However, for the most part, if you had to put a percentage on it, I think this is pretty much saying doubtful as in 90% he does not play, 10% chance we see him. Hmm. I personally wouldn't even think to see him for the first round or the quarterfinal game for Villanova on Thursday night. Like that to me seems like a long shot. Friday night, if Nova even gets it there, could also be a long shot as well. 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. If you want to take the NFL term doubtful into account, they, they always say 75% chance or more that they would be missing the game. So it's, it's looking likely he's missing at least one. And let's be honest. One slash two. Yeah. Let's be honest here. You're down your top point guard. The biggest tournament is definitely important, but everybody knows you're just judged about what happens in the real deal. The big dance. So right. if we can have him back for then, sounds good to me. Sounds yeah, good that, to me. If it means he has to rest this entire tournament and Villanova bounce out in the quarterfinals against the uh, freaking Georgetown or Marquette. All right, all right. I'm, 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 I'm saying, I'm saying, lose the battle, but win give the yourself war? a chance to give yourself a chance to win the war. Uh, he has to, if he has to set out, and then then so be it. Watch, watch, watch them win the whole tournament anyway. Who knows? That's biggest tournament, biggest yeah, tournament. You can, biggest yeah, tournament. you can never be sure about this team. But we'll get into the biggest but, tournament. Yeah, we'll get into it. Before we dive into the bracket, though, I do want to just take a look at some All-Big East awards and some postseason awards because those came out over the last couple of days. Chris, All-Big East first team, we have James Bucknight from UConn, Julian Champagne from St. John's. From Villanova, we've got Colin Gillespie and Jeremiah Robinson Earl representing the Wildcats. Sandro Mamakelashvili from Seton Hall, and Marcus Zagorowski from Creighton. I'd say the first team overall is not too surprising. However, I was surprised that of the that six, only two were unanimous selections, and that was Mamu and JRE. That's where you seemed a little bit surprising. Yeah, how is Zagorowski not unanimous? Or even Booknight, too. I mean, I know Booknight was hurt, but I think those two at least would be unanimous. Heck, even Colin. But I guess, the I don't know, maybe the injury affected the voting there. Yeah, that's a good point. Did they decide this on Saturday night or did they decide this on Monday, the week before the game? <laughs> right, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. And also, when you look at the second team, if you want to read that out, like only one person on that, I would say, could have potentially stolen some first-place votes. But read off the team and then we'll kind of analyze it. Yeah, second team, we've got David Duke from Providence, Zach Fremantle from Xavier, Damian Jefferson of Creighton, Paul Scruggs from Xavier, and then Nate Watson rounding out that second team. And then while we're at it, you know, I'll throw in the honorable mentions. There were three honorable mentions. Javon Blair from Georgetown, Denzel Mahoney from Creighton, and our own Jermaine Samuels. Well, nice to see Jermaine got, got some honors there. But I, I'm a little surprised. that I thought Damian Jefferson could have potentially snuck onto the first team, and that's who I thought might have been poaching some votes. I was going to say Fremantle, maybe. I love the big man. He's so yeah. good. 
And he's been, he's been, he had a great year. He did. It's a good point. But the other thing too is I look at the second team and then you look at the first team and it's like I don't know if there's anybody I would necessarily remove to get one of those guys on. Right. No, I I agree. Like it's not. It, I think they picked it correct, which is weird. I feel like this is like the one thing where we're not completely aggravated over. And yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like, like every list. Probably, yeah, the one year where they probably got it all right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But but then I look at the all freshman team and. You know, you got Posh Alexander from St. John's, Dawson Garcia Good. from Marquette, Chuck Good. Harris from Butler. Those Very three good. in my mind, locks. Adamas yeah. Inogo, actually him too, yeah, from UConn. And then Colby Jones from Xavier. Oh, where's my boy uh, Trey Patterson? <laughs> and also, now, let's just say he balls out next year. Would he be eligible for all-freshman team then? I don't know. I would ha- I would have to assume so. I would I would hope so. Is, is he still – yeah, he'd still be a freshman next year, right? That's a good point. How are they going to ca- – like, like because everyone gets a bonus year of eligibility, so are they just going right. to freeze everybody at the grade they're at, or would would it just be uh, seniors returning or grad seniors or whatever? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think yeah, – I guess they would just advance everyone because, I mean, the, still, the academic year is still happening. That is true because so. they are student-athletes. Students. Remember, you got to remember that. But also in a non-COVID world, if someone enrolls early, are they – do they lose the year of eligibility? No, they don't. Because this okay. is just a free year for everybody. So that's why that was part of the reason why Patterson came in. No, I'm saying in a non-COVID world. Oh, in a non-COVID world? Oh, then yeah, they would lose the eligibility. They would lose it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I thought if you enrolled early, it didn't matter. Because it's only like half a year. It's not even it's not Yeah, even basically planned. basically you'd start your clock a little later. I know we're not too upset with the all big east teams, those seem to be right. However, they did release a few individual awards yesterday morning. Big East Defensive Player of the Year, we've got Isaiah Whaley from Connecticut and Posh Alexander from St. John's sharing the award. Then for most improved player, we have Julian Champagne and Zach Fremantle. The Big East Sixth Man of the Year Award went to Tyler Polly out of Connecticut, and the Big East Sportsmanship Award went to Mitch Ballack from Creighton. Not exactly sure how they picked that. But I will say this, Chris, I'm a little disappointed in the co-players of the year. I'm not a big fan of sharing awards. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. <laughs> it just seems to be a theme every single year. There's always a couple. Just, I still think there should be an ultimate winner at the end of the day. It's like you want to do it for one award, okay, maybe, but now we're just getting out of hand here. Two right. shared awards and then – who knows what's going to happen with the Big East Player of the Year? Yeah, who knows, man? Or even who Freshman knows. of the Year. Make a case for Dawson Garcia or Posh Alexander for Freshman of the Year. Right. If they if they split that, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It always seems, though, there's, oh, every year, it just, there's just always one too many, it feels like. We got to have a winner. This is America. We have to have a winner. No, no ties. The all Big East teams, perfect. Then you go into the individual awards, ties everywhere. What's going on? Yeah, I don't know. The cop out. All right. The Big East plans on announcing player of the year, coach of the year, freshman of the year, and scholar athlete of the year on Wednesday, the first day of the Big East tournament. Chris, just real quick, running down the line. Give me your quick picks for player of the year, coach of the year, and freshman of the year. Player of the year, I want to say Zagorowski, but now that you informed me that Mamu and JRE were the only two unanimous votes, it 
kind of lean in that. In yeah, kind of lean to believe that they're probably going to go one of those two. Right. It's funny though, because I I would have Zagorowski as the biggest player of the year, and as a runner up, I would probably have Book Knight, even though despite the injury. So, I'd say Zagorowski wins that, and then you said defensive player of the year. No, uh, coach of the year, freshman of the year. Coach, coach of the year. <sighs> well, if it wasn't for the controversy that <laughs> Mc, Mc, McDermott got into, I probably would have picked him. But uh, that is uh, no longer the case. I'd probably pick Hurley. Hey, UConn seems to be doing pretty well for themselves, and I knew I didn't think they were going to be bad this year, but I didn't think they'd be this good. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I give it a Hurley, and then freshman between Garcia or Posh for me, I'd probably go Posh though. Yeah, I'd say that those two are probably the front runners in my mind. Yeah. yeah. What What about yours? So for player of the year. Colin Gillespie hmm. for coach of the year, Mike Anderson from St. John's, and then freshman of the year, I'd go Dawson Garcia. All right, from Marquette. That's a that's a good pick for uh, Mike Anderson. I wouldn't be shocked if it's him either. Yeah, just like the job he's done with St. John's, I don't think anybody expected this. And this was a team that was predicted to finish what, like eighth or ninth, I think, in the preseason polls. Oh, yeah. Goals. yeah, yeah, they definitely. I think out of all the teams, I think they've had the biggest rise. Them or Creighton. Creighton, wasn't Creighton like seventh, predicted seventh or something like that? No, no, they were second. They were second. Oh, they were. Okay. Yeah. yeah never mind. Sorry. I'm, I'm yeah, they were be right up behind. There. Okay. But yeah, I think, I think St. John's has definitely had the bigger, the biggest rise out of everybody. I mean, them as a four seed is pretty wild to think about. Yeah. Like, when was the last time that they were this high? Probably D'Angelo Harrison in like 2015. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I was going to say our junior year because I remember they were in the first – I think they were in the first four that year, something like that. Yeah, they so. were an eight or nine seed, I think, in the tournament. Oh, okay. All right, so they missed. Yeah, and then half yeah. the starting lineup got suspended for weed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a good look and not – again, yeah, not – half the players were not happy. Very St. John's luck type thing where they have their best year and then half the team gets suspended. Yeah, those, those fans can't catch a break. That program can't catch a break. But anyway, uh, Colin Gillespie, though, is your biggest player of the year. How so? Not that I'm fighting you on it. I, I think he's worthy of the honor. But what makes you say him? All I got to say is he's had one of his be- best seasons. And obviously, he is in the running for some national awards as well. But also, I think Saturday kind of confirmed without Gillespie, this team's got a lot of problems. <laughs> If there was maybe a most valuable player, it might be him. Probably would be him. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I think I think Creighton could win without Zekarowski. I think Book I mean UConn kind of showed they could win without Book Knight a little bit. They're, sure, they're certainly not the same team, but I mean you take Gillespie off Villanova and it's at least for one game, it looks like they're completely lost. I will say though, you can already tell there's gonna be a lot of salty biggish fans if that's actually how it shakes out. That Gillespie gets player mm-hmm. here. like i can 100%. see all the seton hall fans first of all it's like QAnon over there it's all of these oh, conspiracy God. theories that they, they've lost their mind they're like commissioner jay this oh jay's got it in with ackerman oh jay's he gets to pick and choose what refs he wants for his games it's crazy these people are crazy they're sh- i guess that's what happens when you have all this time and you know your teams don't go far in march and you just have all this time to just think about all these conspiracy theories yeah, i guess so all right, now it's that time. Normally, I'd be more pumped about this week, 
And I think it's because the injuries have kind of just watered down my excitement a little bit. However, mm-hmm. I remember last year the coaches felt and they said that one through 10, this is probably the most balanced this conference has ever been since the quote unquote new biggies formed. However, this year, considering all the circumstances going into this week, I would say that this year is actually the biggest crapshoot when you look at this tournament. There are oh, yeah. lots of different teams here. Depending how you look at it, they can make a run. They can make, uh, you know, they can shock some people a little bit. Just looking at Nova, they might be down two of their key players. If more can play, then I think it's a different story. But if he's out, then you got to think, man, that side of the bracket's wide open. Then you look at Creighton. They're dealing with some internal turmoil right now, and I don't know how they're going to respond. And then UConn, Chris, you mentioned it. They're kind of the hot pick, the trendy pick right now. I can't really blame the people for feeling that way just because they seem to be one of the teams going in with the most momentum. They've won six of their last seven games, and their only loss was coming at Nova, and that was only James Booknight's second game back from a serious elbow injury. So they're coming in with pretty good momentum. And then you look at St. John's. I mean, how can you count them out? Seton Hall, you got Mamu. So many different ways you could look at this tournament this year. Oh, 100%. I was going to say that anyone in the top five seats could win it all. And you kind of look at Providence. If they weren't so bad offensively, I'd probably be even more inclined to pick them too. But even like if they weren't going up against UConn, like if they were in the four or five matchup, like instead of Seton Hall and St. John's, just flip them, I would probably even pick them maybe to get to the finals in that side of the bracket. It's just pretty, it's pretty wild how wide open it is this year. Yeah. And Xavier, who spent some time in the polls this year, they're coming in at number seven. Right. Yeah. I, it's, it is completely wide open. This is, this is a quintessential crapshoot, Eugene, like you said. Last year, we thought last year was bad. And, you know, we probably say it every year, we're like, oh, wow, last year, you know, it was wide open. This year, it's even more wide open. <laughs> yeah. But, but last year, at least you had some upper echelon teams. You had three teams that were clearly the cream of the crop, and then there was everybody else. This is like, I don't know, flip a coin. And the Creighton, the Creighton stuff makes me believe, too, that they're not, they might not be on their game either. They might be out of it. So you can't even, you can't even put your faith in them either. So I think that's kind of why UConn's kind of becoming the trendy pick. Not only are they playing well, Villanova's hurt and disheveled, and Creighton has a lot of stuff going on uh, in the locker room. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know how you go with this. Yeah, and I think when Book Knight was out for that extended time, I think it helped UConn kind of have the other guys step up, and I think that it helped them better themselves. I just think that they're a tough team. And then when Book Knight came back, he kind of took them up another notch. And it's clear why he's a first-team All-Big East player. And then you look at some of the other guys on that roster, and you think, yeah, this is a pretty complete team. They've got rebounding. They've got size. They've got the shot blockers. They've got the athletes. Pretty tough. Pretty tough. And it's unfortunate because I remember going into this year, yeah, it was great UConn's back. And I'm all for UConn being back. But then you had their fans on Twitter saying, oh, thank you so much for keeping the seat warm for us, Nova. We really appreciate it. But now we're going to reclaim our tournaments. We're going to reclaim our titles. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you guys got to earn it like everybody else. And the road <laughs> still goes through Nova. Now it's like, oh, these bastards might actually do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they, <laughs> they, they might actually just do might. It. They might that's, just do it. That's the thing. And it reminded me of their fan base, and it reminded me of the game. They were talking so much trash. It was so annoying. It was so annoying. 
so bad, really bad. But is this, but James, uh, yeah, really you really know, there's bad. a line between friendly banter, <laughs> but then there was a point where you were like, okay, this is this is transitioning towards complete arrogance. <laughs> it is for a team that hasn't won it, anything since 2014. Yeah, it didn't do much after that championship year and Kevin Ollie. Mm-hmm. Not a. But, I will credit Dan Hurley though. He's been yeah. getting the team better and better each year. He, he certainly, yeah, he's certainly doing a good job. My biggest player, uh, biggest coach of the year pick. So, what do you say, Eugene? What do let's want to do round by round, or we want to just give final four and champion? What do you want to do? Let's go round by round. Let's go round by round. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's go round by. Normally, I would say final four and champion, but seeing how this year is just so wide open. I'm, I'm actually curious to see what you think round by round. All right. I'm, I'm curious just to see what you have to say. Let's uh, let's do this. Let's go top top down here. So we'll start with Marquette Georgetown. Yeah, so for the first time since the New Big East formed, there will be a triple header on Wednesday. Normally, mm-hmm. it's just the four bottom teams playing in to play the top two seeds. But now that there are 11 teams in the bracket, they had to readjust. So you got Nova, Creighton, and Connecticut. They'll play the winners of the first round games. First matchup, 3 p.m. on Wednesday, Georgetown versus Marquette. Look, I like Marquette and all. I like <laughs> Dawson Garcia, my freshman of the year pick. However, Georgetown, I like them a little bit more. You got Kudis Wahab, Jamarco Pickett, Forces inside, Javon Blair having a great season. Just the way that Blair and Pickett really picked it up. They, those, they played a lot their freshman year, but then when some of the Big stars came like McClung and Akinjo and Yurtsevin. They kind of fell out of love with the rotation. But then when everybody transferred out, they got thrusted back towards the starting lineup. And they really stepped up. They stepped up a lot bigger than I thought they would. I know a lot of people picked them to finish last in the Big East going into this year. Eighth isn't that much better. However, that front court is legit in my eyes. And I think they beat Marquette and Wojo's woes in the postseason continue. I can't believe all those coaches with their brilliant basketball minds still thought this team was going to be worse than Nepal. Unbelievable. <laughs> team. It is yeah. unbelievable. It's like I say, Chris, you know, every year it's like, oh, this is the year. Nepal is going to turn some heads. <laughs> oh, Max Drew's looking nice. Charlie Moore, NBA second round pick, maybe. And then all, and then here they are, last place. Yeah. It's like a magnet. They just can never escape it. Uh, but Eugene, I agree with your assessment. I think Georgetown wins this. Marquette seems to be playing a little bit better. They beat North Carolina and they just won this past weekend against Xavier, which was a little, little bitch of a shock, a little bit. But we all know how Wojcik does in the Big East tournament, and we were just we, we were just talking about experience. Georgetown, they got, they got a couple, they got a couple seniors. <laughs> They're senior heavy, at least compared to some of the other teams in the Big East. So I think that'll play a, a little bit, and Judas Wahab's going to be a be a force this tournament. I think this will be his little bit of a coming out party. All right. Then next up in the 6 p.m. game right after that, there's Xavier and Butler, the 7-10 matchup. Chris, who you got here? This is a tough one because maybe it's just because of how Butler left the sour taste in my mouth the last time they played Villanova. But I I think Xavier wins this. I think Fremantle is going to destroy them. (laughs) Fremantle, Scruggs, I think those two are just too much for a young Butler team. Chris, I got a quick question for you. Is this tournament game going to be at Hinkle Fieldhouse? Uh, no. Oh, okay. So Xavier, right then. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I will say, though, on Butler's case, 
they're pretty young right now. Chuck Harris is great, obviously, and he had a great game against Nova. But they brought in five incoming guys. Ooh, they have five freshmen this year. Just feel like they're a couple years away from being even better. They've had some injuries, too, along the way. Just not yet. Maybe next year or two years down the line. And then in the final game of the triple header, Providence versus DePaul. Unfortunately for Providence, they were kind of the odd man out here, and they had to play a playing game. I think this one's pretty obvious, unfortunately mm-hmm. for DePaul, but I'm going it, Providence here. It's it's DePaul because they get they get their revenge for finally winning a Big East tournament game last year, and then it, <laughs> the whole world shutting down because of that. <laughs> the world could not exist where DePaul won a Big East tournament game. So I think – no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Providence wins. Yeah, Providence so. wins. Everybody knows they were just trying to protect Villanova from getting embarrassed by the poll. Clearly. That, that was a conspiracy theory that I read over the summer. Well, doesn't doesn't shock me. <laughs> and another <laughs> thing with the Paul tier, that's another team. I it, Look, next year they're going to bring in a top 10 nationally ranked recruiting class, five-star, four-star guys. If that isn't enough to turn them around, I think it's time to move on from Lado. But not yet. This team will still be in the basement. Just look out next year, though, or two years down the line. Mm-hmm. That wonderful trap we always fall into. <laughs> <laughs> the destructive cycle of positivity in Nepal or sympathy for Nepal only to just <laughs> show us that they're not actually moving anywhere. And then they get clowned on at the end of the year. Shame. So in the quarterfinals, we both agreed that Georgetown was going to win. Yeah. Now, Georgetown versus Nova. Nice rivalry game. Mm. It was a little too close the first time out. Chris, what do you think happens this time around? <laughs> oh, man. I, this is I where just, we start sweating. This is where we it, start sweating. Yeah, just the, the fact that there may not be Justin Moore. I, I'm going to pick Villanova, but I don't feel good about it. I don't. I really don't. I think Georgetown could become a big problem. What say you? So I actually think Nova can win this one with or without more. Unfortunately, though, you look at the Georgetown game. First time out, who lit them up from long range? Colin Gillespie. However, the second time around, we had a huge game from Big Game Jermaine, who just absolutely single-handedly torched the Hoyas. I would like to see him do that again. However, this game, like you said, Chris, is going to be anything but easy. Remember years past where the 1-8 matchup outside of the one-seat mall game are Sophomore year in 2014, it was it always seemed like it was an easy one. It's just your Villanova would drop like 100 on whoever they play. Remember, they dropped like 100 on St. John's. Uh, 2018, they beat the crap out of Marquette. It's just like it's just very ho hum game. And it's always at noon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this, this one might actually be a little bit of a problem. Yeah. And the only reason it's going to be a problem is you just look at Georgetown's big men. They've been playing pretty well against Nova, Wahab and Pickett. Yes. Both play pretty well. Yes, that's what scares me the most, honestly. It's not the fact that, you know, they can light us up from three. It's the fact that they will probably get everything on the inside given to them. Yeah, for as hurt as Nova is, I think they can at least make it to Friday. I know a lot of people, some people are panicking, but I don't think they have anything to worry about just yet in the quarterfinals. So then that leads us to the other matchup on on that side of the bracket. St. John's Seton Hall, local rivalry. St. John's just won regular season finale over Seton Hall without Posh Alexander, and they were trailing at half by double figures at 1.8 by 18, and then they ended up winning by 10. With all that said, 
Chris, who do you have? Mamu and the boys or <laughs> Red Storm, 40 Minutes of Hell, Mike Anderson and company? Is, uh, is Posh playing? Do we know? He is still undetermined. Posh plays, St. John's wins. He doesn't play this in the hallways. So I guess as of now, I guess we have to assume he's out. And I guess I go Seton Hall. I think St. John's pulls it off again with or without Posh. I know that last mm-hmm. time out, it was a little hairy in the first half. But Seton Hall, what what is going on with them? They've been on a little bit of a downslide. They lost their last four games to end the season, and they blew that 18-point lead against St. John's. Usually around this time of year, I love the teams that are coming with momentum and hot. To lose four straight and then blow that 18-point lead? I don't know. I don't think I can roll with Seton Hall in any situation here. No, that's a fair point. Very fair point. I just, I don't know. I think Mamu, Big East tournament, last chance at this. I think it, I think it pulls them ahead a little bit. And he's definitely looking at his chops, looking at Nova. Limits. 100%. He sees the wounded cat, and he's going to want to pounce on it. Too bad he'll get caught in the trap. Posh is going to be a big determinant in that, I feel like. I mean, I know they just beat him without him, but I always, I don't like the rematches usually when it's like a real quick turnaround like that for the team that just won. Especially when like the talent level is pretty even. And then in the next quarterfinal matchup, we both agree that Xavier was going to advance. So Creighton versus Xavier. Chris, who do you got here? Yeah, I got Creighton in this one. I just think they're just too good. I don't. I don't think they'll lose to Xavier again. What What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Blue Jays here. I know that Xavier played them tough the first time out, and then the second time out they got them. However, that was at Cintas, and that was when the Blue Jays were probably caught looking ahead at that big matchup against Nova, which would have decided or pretty much decided the regular season title. I think all things considered and all things going on in the locker room or outside the locker room, I think that the way they bounce back with a 20-point win against Butler leads me to believe that that offense, regardless of the drama, is still clicking. They've got great balance, five guys over 10 points per game. So I think that the Blue Jays should win and advance and beat those Musketeers. And then that leads us to the last quarterfinal game. We both agreed, once again, that Providence was going to win. So now we got UConn and Providence, a local rivalry. Which one are you going with here? UConn, pretty easily. I think they, they beat Providence. They split the regular season series. However, one time it was without Booknight, and then when Booknight came back, it was his first game back, and he scored like 20 or 18 off the bench. I think UConn will beat the Friars once again. Just that lack of offense, man. Second, they can slow down Watson, which I think they can with a pretty good front court that's when that Providence team has problems scoring. You almost have the same Final Four. I know yours kind of depends on what happens with Posh Alexander. Right. But Nova, Seton Hall, in your case, I said St. John's, and then Creighton and UConn. Chris, who do you have going to the finals? Spill the beans. (sighs) Well, again, another contingency problem. So I do have Seton Hall in, but if Justin Moore plays – I still think Villanova beats them. I, I really do. I think I just think Seton Hall just, just doesn't have enough to beat them. But if he doesn't play, they do have enough. And I think Seton Hall wins and they get to the final. So I guess right now we have to assume he doesn't play. So I guess I got Seton Hall in the final. And then on the other half of the bracket, I got UConn beating Creighton. I think this is James Booknight's tournament. All right. So I think, unfortunately, the Wildcats will fall to the Johnnies in the semis, and St. John's moves on to the finals for the first time in the new Big East, quote-unquote new Big East. And on the other side of the bracket, I do think that UConn will win and beat Creighton. And unfortunately, 
the Huskies will have their crowning moment on Saturday night. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat there, too. I, I think James Booknight wins tournament MVP, the whole thing. It's They're the sexy pick, the trendy pick, but it's not too far from the truth either. Yeah. When you look at what's going on with those top two seeds, it's pretty possible. Right. And look, UConn, I mean, even if those two teams were fully healthy and no controversies and whatnot going on, I probably would still pick UConn to maybe even get to the final. But they're that they're they're good. But the fact that the top two teams are just completely out of whack, it's pretty much a pretty, not a clear path, but it makes it a lot easier for them. I will say, if Nova had everybody, this would have been an easy show. I would have said Nova wins again. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would believe that. Like, this is, you know, it's just with one, maybe two injuries, it just makes it so much more trickier. It does. Of course, the other second. teams are probably, you know, dancing in their, you know, dancing in their shoes. But Of course. First, first time since 2016, you won't have a Nova champion. Possibly for the first time since 2014, you won't even have it in the final. You know, the rest of the conference is celebrating, of course. I would be surprised if this is the year, like 2014, where we have a random champion win. <laughs> oh, Providence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, if if it means we can get another more big teams, team yeah, in more there. More teams in the tournament, yeah. Then why not? I mean, where does St. John's kind of fall in the bubble? I think they're out right now, I would think. Yeah, we would have to call Joey Brackets for his take on that. But I would think that they're probably leaning out after their losses to DePaul and then Butler. I mean, if it means that, you got to just kind of sacrifice yourself for it, and it won't be the worst thing. But man, oh man, it's such a shame that this season's kind of lost all momentum because of two pretty big injuries. Yeah, it's just such a bummer. Like I said, I'd, I'd normally be more hyped for this week. I love this week. I and probably also just with COVID kind of hampering the excitement. Like I would have loved to see a buzz in Madison Square Garden because then that helps you get in that March mood. And then, of course, after the Big East tournament, you got the NCAA tournament, and you get even more hype for that after this little appetizer of that postseason play, March Madness. This time around, Nova's coming in hurting. No fans allowed, or sorry, limited fans allowed, virtually no fans allowed. And at this point, it should still be great basketball, but if you're a Nova fan, you're definitely coming in here a little nervous. 100%. Completely different environment, completely different atmosphere. So, yes, from, as a fan, it kind of sucks and steam's kind of out of it. But as a as Villanova goes, this is probably the closest we've been to ever feeling non-confident in a Big East tournament, probably ever. At least since the new Big East, anyway. Now, one more thing before we move to the mailbag. I just want to ask you one thing. I've got your championship pick. I've got your final four for the Big East tournament. Mm-hmm. However... Give me your starting five for when Nova plays the winner of Georgetown Marquette on Thursday at noon. Well, Jerry and Jermaine Samuels. Then, and I know we kind of skipped over this during the Providence recap, but Swider starting good. A little bit. I don't of know surprise. how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't. I don't really like it at all. But if Justin Moore doesn't play. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Chris Archidiakono should definitely start. That's what I wanted to hear. That's what I wanted to hear you say. That's what I wanted to hear you say. <sighs> I can't believe we're at this point. It's not a knock on him. It's just like, you know, your third string point guard should not be playing. 
You can never count on Archie Diakno and March. You can never count on Archie Diakno and March. You can never you count can. on Archie Diakno and March. You can't. He's going to make some loose ball diving save, and it's going to be a big pickup for Villanova or something. I mean, you had that little play against Providence where he got thrown to the ground and then called an offensive foul on whoever it was on Providence. And that, that was like right at the start of where the things started to turn around. So who knows? If you believe in momentum, I guess it, he's a good play. But, I mean, look, I would like to see Antoine start, but let's be honest, it's not happening. You happen to agree with me, don't you? Oh, no, yeah, I agree. I, I would, Like I said, I think Arch playing in the crunch time minutes or getting those crucial minutes at the end of the game was pretty much the tell to me that Jays liked what he saw and will probably continue to roll with that moving forward. Chris, just look at it this way. Villanova, Georgetown, mm-hmm. it's coming down the wire. Mm-hmm. Marco Pickett had a big bucket, tie game. Nova's playing. Jermaine Samuels shoots a three. He bricks it. But then Jerry collects the rebound. He could go for the putback, but there he sees an open Chris Archie Diacono on the wing. He's got two mm. seconds to make a decision because the clock's winding down. Kicks okay. it out to Chris Archie Diacono, just like Ryan Archie Diacono against Syracuse. Hits the buzzer beater, except he won't force it into overtime. It'll give Nova the win, and then we will bask in that glory. I'm Until glad Villanova we... gets knocked out the next round. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I can't believe we're at the point now where we'd be celebrating a win over eight-seed Georgetown in the Big East tournament. I would say it was more celebrating the uh, Chris Archie Diagno moment <laughs> and uh, his arrival. If, if it was a game like that, I would just go up and get my snack for the second half, or for the first overtime, because there's no way Villanova would score on the ensuing possession. That's how much faith I got in the offense right now. Oh, come on. Come on. I like I like the second half. Uh, then again, who knows? Who knows? If we're going to see the first half, it might be an earlier exit. But if we see second half no. versus Providence, I think we, we, we advance. We advance. I don't think it's the I don't think it's as bad as what it was in the first half. But there is a lot of things to be concerned about. Who knows? I didn't think it would ever be the offense. But here we are. This is why they play the games and not do it on paper. This is why they play the games and not do it on paper. I guess so. Got to have some faith, I guess. But it's a little hard when your top two players are out. <laughs> it is a little hard. It is a little hard. At least we can enjoy the first round okay. and not have top to sweat two. anything. Top two or three players. I'm sorry. Don't want to throw Jerry under the bus. But Yeah, he is our top scorer and rebounder. I know. I know. Well, this is why they play on, like you said, Eugene. And, you know, I guess after last year when it got completely ripped out from underneath everyone, I guess we'll take this. Even if it is having the entire backcourt hurt, and even if it involves no fans and everything that's happened over the past year, I, I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we're still doing this, talking to each other. That's fully. the real victory. That's and the I, real victory. And I think we have to step back from the ledge and realize at the end of the day, we're okay. And hopefully this time next year, it'll be like it was in 2019 and things will be back to normal. And then you can go cover it and then I can go watch it in person. So hopefully then- we can get back to that. Eat the Big East Burger at Stout NYC. I will ask for nothing more. (laughs) Please, just get me back. One last thing. It's funny because I feel like there's been years where we doubt Nova, and then they make it to the finals like it's no problem. And then as we've seen, they have the first ever Big East three-peat. So who knows? I could be doubting them all this time, and then it's like, oh, look, here they are, casually walking to the finals. Right. Right. What would be the first time? No, it wouldn't be. Especially that 2019 right. season. I actually predicted Seton Hall would win. They made it to the finals. However, Phil Booth was just a little bit better than Miles Powell. Yeah, that was probably the closest we've had to this year. 
But at the same time, that team was fully healthy, and you at least had two guys you could fall back on. And one guy that went to the NBA. Right, and is doing pretty good there, too. Yeah. Shout here, out to Pascal. All right, Chris. Well, it's that time of the day. We stop. We're doing pop up in the mailbag and answer the questions that you, the listeners, have for us. As always, you can tweet us at SONNPod. Ask us anything. Chris, let's do it. Chris, first question here is from Michael Piler. Seeing as Colin is out for the rest of the season and assuming Justin comes back, should Jay consider changing up his offensive strategy? Less half court sets, more emphasis on running and pushing the ball up court. Are they actually more athletic without Colin? This is a great question because I think we've always been asking for the pace to be pushed, considering the athleticism and the talented guard play that this team had. Even when Colin was out there, I was like, please run, run and gun. Let's, let's Mm -hmm. see it. Let's turn up the heat a little bit, crank it up. Fortunately, I don't see that happening. And now I think with Colin out, there's just no way that Jay's going to consider changing things. He might even be more cautious than to, than normal. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. I mean, you and Chris Lane have been beating the, you know, stretch the floor, run and gun type offense for years now. As much as I would love for that to happen, it's not going to happen. It's too late in the season to just change something completely uproot the entire system like that. It would, it would, it just wouldn't be that smart. I mean, as much as I would love to see all those guys running around, running gun, throwing Antoine out there, it would be great. But it's just, it's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that, too. Yeah, you get the nice Antoine-Moore combo if Moore is healthy. Yeah, that would be right. fun. That would be real fun to see. It would be. It would be. But I, I think that's why Chris Archidiakono is going to be playing such a big role <laughs> in the next couple of weeks because he is he's a half-court offensive-type player. Not and that Brian Antoine isn't, but... How Jay Wright feels about those Archidiakonos. Yes, they, yes he Colin loves Colin included. He loves mm-hmm. them all. <laughs> he loves them all, man. And that's how it's going to go. I mean, I agree with the. Uh, yeah, I agree with Michael question. here that maybe, yeah. you know, pushing it a little bit would be fun and it would be different. And it might be nice for a change. I just don't think Jay's going to do it. Right. I mean, even if you like you put like the JRE point guard style thing, like that would be kind of cool for like the run and gun stuff. Like that would be great for it, but it's never, it's not going to happen. We just have to accept that this coaching staff is for better or for worse, a little bit stubborn. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, yeah, stubborn, but also very firm in its ways. And I can't blame them. They've won more championships than myself and won oh, yeah. hundreds of more games. Yeah, I mean, we can question them and whatnot, but, you know, they, they're they the ones who put it in place, and it seems to be working more times than not. So yeah, At the end of the day, they're getting the check from Villanova University. If we're lucky, we'll get a free meal at Campus Corner. <laughs> Next question is from Mary E., what is the word on Justin Moore other than serious ankle injury? That's that's a great question. Unfortunately, I think there's nothing more than that. Usually, Chris, we love to read into things and we love to speculate. But I think right here, I think the writing is on the wall and it's pretty obvious. Unless if Jerry wants us to speculate, I don't <laughs> think it's serious enough that he'll be out for the NCAA tournament. Like, I would be shocked right. if he does not come back this season. We will definitely see him again. Yeah, barring any setbacks, it would be pretty shocking to see him not play the rest of the year. If they, if, to your point, if he was actually legitimately hurt enough to be out the whole year, they would just announce it. Like, I don't see any benefit to saying, oh, yeah, he might play, he might not, and keep everybody in limbo. And unless, like, they're doing it for the gamesmanship portion, where it's like, 
oh well he might play he might play but like the team the team secretly knows he isn't but again like what is that going to do so exactly it's like bill belichick everyone's questionable oh are they hurt (laughs) (laughs) but it works for him (laughs) yeah can't give away too much to the opponents and i can maybe that's why nova won't outright say what the real deal is and that's why they'll just say doubtful or questionable or well, maybe you might see him. What day that might be, we we don't know. All right, but Colin was ruled out the day after, pretty much. Yeah. And and Justin and the thing about Justin Moore's injury to know about the severity of it, and this was why it was kind of like a no brainer when they announced it was he was announced out like within five minutes. That's yeah. when you usually know injury is bad. When a team announces a player is not coming back at all, like you hear that all the time in the NFL. This guy's questionable to return, questionable to return. But then, like, once you hear the ones that are like, oh, yeah, he's out for the rest of the game and he just got hurt, like, two minutes ago, you know it's bad. Yeah, when they go straight into the locker room and they look at it and they're like, oh, yeah, no way. That's yeah, when you're you done. know. That's, That's when, when you know. You know. Mm-hmm. And then he brought out the boot, which we talked about was probably, like, the biggest tell that this was probably pretty bad. Yes. Next question is from Fred Rung. Do you see any chance of a run in this team for the Big East tournament and then the NCAA tournament Saturday? While a good fight left me thinking slim and no chance. You look at this side of the bracket and it's definitely a lot easier and more manageable than the other side of the bracket where there's Creighton, Xavier, Yukon, Butler, even Providence. That's, you know, even like the lower end teams or the lower seeded teams are still pretty tough outs. Like Providence and Ed Cooley in March in the Big East tournament. He'll he'll muck it up. He'll find a way. And and Xavier was ranked for a good part of the year, even though I know they went a little cold towards the end. Mm-hmm. On Nova's side of the bracket, it's very possible. It's just with more if more is going to be out, I would say that Saturday is a definite long shot. I personally, like I said earlier on the show, I don't think they make it to Saturday, unfortunately. But if more is healthy, maybe there's like a slight chance, or if he plays. However, if we see him in the Big East tournament, Chris. I would assume it, it probably wouldn't be outside of the finals. Like, I, I don't think that they would try to rush him for a, a semifinal game or a, no, a quarterfinal game. That would be pretty ill-advised. But to the question, do I think they have a Big East tournament run in them? I do. Uh, if more plays, if they don't, as I just said, I think they'll lose on, on that Friday, regardless of if it's Seton Hall or St. John's. Then for NCAA tournament purposes, I mean, as we sit here today, I still think like Sweet 16 is like best case scenario. But yeah. that's if that's if more plays. But also, I mean, we got, got to wait till the bracket comes out. Maybe, maybe you know, I don't know. The committee feels bad and they give us a favorable matchup for the first like three possible rounds. You never know. So. That's another what? good point. That's another good point. That it really will come down to who is in Nova's bracket for the NCAA tournament. And that's something we can't really speculate because that'll be, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah. It's, we all know the storylines that they want to prop up and we'll wait and see what that will be based on who wins their conference tournaments and what and how the bubble shakes out. So we'll see, man. I, I still think Sweet 16 is possible. I still think a Big East championship is possible if more able to play. But it's not looking likely for at least the Big East portion, so that's pretty much out of the out of the question. And then for the tournament, I think it's a lot's going to depend on opponents. And if they get lucky, I think they'll get to the Sweet 16, but nothing but nothing more. 
yeah, the Sweet 16 right now is kind of looking like the ceiling. And it's unfortunate because with Colin and everybody healthy, we were talking Final Four as maybe the ceiling. Now with Colin out and more questionable, I think the ceiling just got cut in half. Yeah, and I don't think that's too much of a radical statement. We're at the point now where even the Big East final is looking like a, <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> oh, yeah. a reach. That's a reach. And it's just unfortunate it, it what these injuries would have done because you look at this bracket right now – and if Nova was completely healthy, oh, please, just, you know, wake me up on Saturday. Pencil them right in. Right, right. Yeah, as we were saying before, we were previewing the tournament. It's like, if, if everyone's healthy, I don't even think we'd go through this game by game. I think it was just give us your champion, Final Four. And <laughs> give give and us the other side of the bracket. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Now Ooh. you just kind of imagine Brian Antoine and Chris Archie Diacono, who didn't really play that much or didn't really play at all against – St. John's, and now they're going to have to deal with Posh Alexander full court press, 40 minutes of hell. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's assuming they get past Georgetown Marquette, which as of this point. Yeah, the front court on oh, those teams are not looking like it'll be an easy time. <laughs> Next one is from David Letts. Who's better at point guard, Chris or Justin? And should Justin stay as a two, even if healthy? So, I want to touch the last part first. I would actually say Justin should still stay as a two, even if healthy. I know he's a combo guard, but just looking back at last year, he was definitely mature for a freshman. However, if there was one part of his game that I felt was lacking, it was creativity. It felt like last year, once he got the ball, it wasn't going to go anywhere else. Like he was either going to shoot it. It was going to be a turnover. He was going to either make his shot or miss his shot. He wasn't really looking to set people up. Now, granted, he's definitely developed a little bit. However, there's a reason why he was not the main facilitator or why Colin was the primary point guard. Not only did he have the experience, but if you had to pick between one or the other, I'd rather have Colin do it. And then they even had point guard JRE going. And I know Justin Moore was in foul trouble during that Creighton game, but I just feel like he's just not a pure creator. He definitely feels like he's better off ball. I agree with you there that he, your assessment of him and his play. However, if it meant Justin Moore's playing, I, not, I, do, I would not want Chris Archidiacono in. I would just roll, I think I just said it before, him, Daniels, Slater, Samuels, Jerry. And then obviously, as the game goes on, you can work Chris Archid in it as much as you would like, but to start the game, that's how I would go. And I would agree with that just because, look, I like what Chris Archidiacono did against Providence outside of I would have maybe liked him to make more shots, but he controlled the tempo. He ran the floor. He owned the moment. He didn't shy away from it. He wasn't scared on the road. He didn't look like a deer in headlights. He didn't look like freshman year Jermaine Samuels. However, that was just a little 25-minute sample size. I don't know if that would be enough to be like, all right, Chris, I'm giving you – playmaker point guard right. you're running the show right at least you wouldn't think so but. yeah not right away not right away now if he you know rocks my socks off in the big east tournament i'd be like oh okay maybe, oh, yeah. we, maybe we do have something here jay's been working on the secret weapon all year <laughs> this was all part of his plot it's all yeah, part of the narrative yep <laughs> yeah yeah if he goes out there and kills it in the big east tournament they goes on a big run and he's a big cog in that and so be it but he can start in the NCAA tournament, but right now 
if Justin Moore – wave a magic wand, Justin Moore can play that quarterfinal game, I, I would not want Chris Hart starting. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. I'm very curious. I'm just, like, so curious for Thursday what that's going to look like. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be something one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> but who would have thought Chris Archidiakno help, did help lead a comeback effort in the second half? He did. He did. He did. He was a part of it. He was a part of he it. He was. He wasn't the main driving factor. I would say Jermaine Samuels was, but he helped out. He helped out. Mm-hmm. Next question is from John Palmay. I want to love JRE as much as Hart, Bridges, and Bay, but his play is confounding. Moments of greatness sprinkled in with incredible lapses. To put Justin Moore in that position with a bad pass at the wrong time, missing a wide open jam, he has not made a leap this year. Thoughts? Is he NBA ready? Chris, I know what you've been you've been stewing on this for a while. You've given me your mm-hmm. takes. What do you think about John's question? Start us off. Well, Eugene, as I've kind of told you throughout the year off air, maybe not so much on this show, but I have been a very big critic of Jerry in the sense that I feel like he's getting, he's not getting that much better. And I'm not saying that he makes him a bad player. I just think he's getting a lot more credit than what he should be getting in the sense that I think we all kind of perceive him as, you know, up in that upper echelon of players that we've been seeing, like, as John mentioned, Bay, Bridges, Brunson, whatever, whoever you want to name. And he's been playing all right, but I just feel like he's just so inconsistent. And John pointed it out. Like, there's just some, so many moments in these games where he just misses wide open mid-range shots wide open threes. And I understand like that's not mainly his game, but it is part of his game and he should be able to get better at that as the season went on. And he just hasn't. And I know I'm willing to give him a pass because of COVID. I, with all the COVID stoppages, it was hard to get in a rhythm this year and whatnot, but man, like how many open mid range shots did he, he take? And you're just like, just please stop, just stop taking them. Like just get inside and work inside. Cause that's, what's working for you. And he's as great of a rebounder as he is. His offensive game hasn't really taken that next leap. And I think Villanova really needed him to take that next leap. And we have been so accustomed to seeing that throughout the years where we get these guys in and within one or two years, they take that leap and the team reaches a new stratosphere. And he hasn't. And I think that's part of the criticism that I've had toward him where, yes, he's putting up these gaudy numbers night in and night out, it seems like but it's not like he's getting better. And a lot of the, and during a lot of these games, he's just, he has these major lapses where he's just not hitting a lot of shots and he's not playing great defense. So I'm fully on board with John's line of thinking. I've been on that line of thinking for the entire year. And I really haven't said much on it because I just feel like the team was doing all right at that point And why get mad over something so minuscule, (laughs) But now when you need him to step up and if he's going to continue to play like he was in the beginning of the year and throughout the middle of the year, it's, it's a little, a little upsetting. Yeah. That's the thing here with JRE. If you think back to the way he started the year, wow. What a first impression you think, look at all the work he's put in, look how much he's improved dominating in the 2k classic dominating in Bubbleville. He's hidden mid-range J's 
he's expanding his arsenal a little bit. He's more than just a post-up guy or an inside scorer. His footwork is a lot better. He's still crashing the boards with that same intensity and motor. You love what you're looking at. COVID break happens. Kind of plateaued a little bit. Maybe his numbers even dipped a little bit too. If you look at his numbers pre-COVID break, he was averaging over 16 points a game, shooting 54.5% overall, six, over 60% inside the arc. And now after the COVID break, he's not hitting his threes. He's still averaging a good amount of scoring, 14 points per game. Very solid. Still Nova's top scorer. However, his efficiency dropped off. He's only hitting 43% of his shots now. And his percentage inside the arc dropped by about 12%. He's still solid. I'd say he's still one of the better guys in the conference. However, just with the way he plateaued, just with the way his numbers dipped a little bit, when he first came on at the beginning of this year, you were wowed. And then it's kind of been a little shaky since then. It's unfortunate, but uh, at this point, yeah, Chris, I I don't know if this is just kind of like a temporary slump, but you would have loved to see him kind of turn that corner like Omari did midway through his freshman year. Yeah, you really needed it, dude. And the thing is, like, it's the mid-range shots and the three-point shots that kill me because they're wide open, and he's not hitting anything. His mid-range game is, is non-existent, and that's being kind. I, I cannot name the last time he hit like a mid-range shot, and he had a, he had the wide open three to win the game against Providence, and I know a little bit of a rush shot because the times winding down, a lot of pressure, all that stuff, blah blah blah. Still, the shot was wide open, and I'm pretty sure the ball hit the backboard first. <laughs> it's just frustrating to see a player with that much talent just not be able to, you know, I wouldn't say not put it all together, but not to take that next leap, and he's still solid. Do I think he's NBA ready to John's question? I don't know. I don't think so. But I, whether I, what I think doesn't freaking matter because I think he's going to declare anyway. So and, and probably go. And I think that's what's going to happen. And it's a shame that we're not going to get a full three, four years out of him. But we kind of knew that going in. But to your point about Omari, I mean, that's what we were kind of hoping he would develop into, at least yeah. into like a, a similar type version. Big guy who can stretch the floor, all that stuff. And it really just hasn't happened because the mid-range and long-range game is just completely non-existent. Or even think of Eric Pascal, that championship year. The dude shot two for 27 from long-range mm-hmm. for the first however many months of the season. And then all of a sudden was shooting 60% to end the year. Yeah. Like, if you could just turn that switch on, please have at it. Like, that would be awesome. Right. It's just, in the beginning of the season, we were talking first-round pick potential lottery scouts were amazed people were buzzing on twitter about this jre guy since then the buzz kind of died down a little bit and you know we're missing dunks i don't know i don't know i still love his work i still think he's solid but in, in terms of nba ready i don't even know if another year would help improve his stock i don't even know what it technically is now if it i doubt it's still the first round lottery type deal or top 15 NBA ready depends who you talk to. I'm sure, you know, there's someone who's going to love him still, but I'm just not as wild as I was in the beginning of the season. Still a great player. Still solid. Yeah. Yeah. I am not first teamer, you know, it's not like he's, he's a slouch. It's not like that's that's the funny thing about it. Yeah. It's not like the monsters came and took his talent. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He still does work inside. He's still a great rebounder for all things considered, but I don't know, just a lot of, 
even like the i mean the inside game's still good but it's not as great as what you think it could be and like but i was saying that's the funny thing about everything like he's still a first team big east player it's just it's just frustrating because you you villanova kind of needed him to take that next step and he just hasn't and i think that's why i don't know i think that's why i'm just so frustrated with it with it all i think a lot of these problems could have been exacerbated if he was just a little bit better and maybe that's a little unfair because it's like putting all this pressure on this one player to get better when you know the rest of the team basically is kind of plateaued but yeah, the, i guess the other when thing you're the, too is you just think of what would it be like if you were to go other premier big men in college basketball what would that matchup look like luca garza hunter dickinson I, and i don't yeah, know I, I don't know well that's the thing too like he, he is all big east first team but i i gotta we got to see him against the big guys, the big boys of the Big Ten. <laughs> He's still a Carl Malone award finalist, so it's still in that top conversation. Right. He could win. Jerry could win Biggie's Player of the Year for all we know, the way it's trending. Like, <laughs> despite everything we just said, he's probably going to win or might win Biggie's Player of the Year. And that's just, I don't know if that's more of a testament to the conference or whatever, but you get my point. I heard a couple rumors that there might be a potential three-way tie. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to put any stock in it. I'd have to see it to believe it because just because I feel like that sounds so ridiculous. I'm not a fan of co-many things, but then the second you put in three people sharing award, it's like, why? <laughs> we could have just had Biggie's first team A and then Biggie's first team B. I don't get that. If it, if it is a three-way tie, that's, we, we don't have like a tiebreaker. Like, doesn't the, shouldn't the commissioner get like tiebreaking vote? <laughs> I, I would hope so. But just in case if anyone's curious, I think I think it's just rumor. There's no way if they go three, if they split three ways, I'd be shocked. But the rumor is, Colin Gillespie, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and Sanjo Mamukelashvili split. Now, like we talked about it, Chris, the only unanimous selections were JRE and Mamu for first team. So that leads me to believe it might be one of those two. However, it could be anyone in that first team. I don't know. I don't know. Just get us to Wednesday. <laughs> just get us to Wednesday. <laughs> Get us a Thursday, and then depending on how that looks, you can take me to Friday. But then depending on how that looks, just wake me up when the bracket wait, is wait, wake me up at the end of next week. Please. This Thank is going to be unfortunate, isn't it? It's going to be like 2014 when I had no, 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 no motivation to watch the rest of the Big East tournament. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the one. If there is one good thing that Villanova has done with, uh, with that whole thing is that they stayed in it so long that you actually kind of remember everything from the piggies tournament, <laughs> because let's be honest, like 2017, when they got knocked out in the NCAA tournament, I have no idea what happened after. I was so sad. I barely watched it. it. I think you, I rewatched it or I tuned back in. What was the final four, which was unfortunate. I mean, Cause I know there were some buzz readers that I completely missed. I just remember the Wisconsin losing to Florida on that ridiculous shot. But my the 2015 was, one was even worse. I honestly oh that one what happened. We I think Eugene. I think we watched the the championship, and that was only because we we had to <laughs> for something. Yeah, I think it was because we wanted to see if, if Frank can beat the big bad Duke. Right. Unfortunately, even that, he did not. He did not so. Next set of questions are from Jerry Quinn, our guy. We missed him last time, but we got him here now. Sorry about that, Jerry. But his first one is, what is your expectation for the Big East Championship? Do we get to play on Saturday night? I'd say it, Jerry, but uh, I think it's a, a really big long shot. And it gets even bigger with more out. 
Yeah, man. I think uh, it's pretty obvious throughout this entire episode how we've been feeling. Uh, I'm in the same boat as you. I think it's a less than likely, which is a much, much different field than pretty much every other Big East tournament that Villanova's played in since 2014. And I know the Big East Coach of the Year Award will be decided and will be announced on Wednesday, tomorrow morning, just before the Big East tournament tips off. However, if Jay Wright somehow pulls it off, wins oh, another boy. Big East tournament title, whoever gets that should give it right to him. <laughs> yeah, that that would be probably one of the best coaching jobs he's he's done if he somehow pulls out a Big East tournament title. But as we all know, as nice as that would be, still, still, it's still about the NCAA. So. Next one from Jerry. If you were Colin Gillespie, do you come back for another year? And I don't know. I, I think we've we discussed it. I think the day after he got hurt, and I think we both kind of speculated that it, it there's there's pros and cons to each. And I, I think he should come back. I think there would be a I think there's more benefit to him coming back, possibly getting a chance to play at the end of next year, maybe for the Big East tournament slash NCAA tournament for a little bit of a run. And also you get to, you know, train, get the training and rehab from the Villanova trainers and whatnot. So I think it wouldn't be the worst idea. What do you think? Yeah. And especially now that we know it's not something drastic, like an ACL, I feel like with the draft process, his injury might spook some scouts and I'm not sure what his draft prospects are. I haven't really seen him pop up on too many mock draft lists. So coming back for another year and then hopefully getting some proper closure to his collegiate career would be a nice way to go out. And I think it would probably be the best case scenario for him. But ultimately, it's up to what he wants to do. Right. The last one from Jerry is, who is your sleeper team to win the Big East tournament and why? Me, it's got to be St. John's. Four seed team that was predicted to finish, eighth or ninth, whatever it was but the job that Mike Anderson has been doing and just the nice blend that they have between their freshmen and underclassmen contributors, plus the veteran guys like Rasheem Dunn, Greg Williams. I think that they can, they can potentially make some noise, especially when Nova limping a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a good choice. And I'm going to kind of echo that with uh, St. John's first round matchup and that'll be seen all. It's uh, It just seems that anyone in that top half of the bracket has a very good chance with the way Nova's kind of shaken out to be. But yeah, I think Mamu, senior year Mamu, with a pretty decent Seton Hall team. And I know they've been pretty bad down the stretch here. And we like clowning on Seton Hall because of the rivalry and whatnot. It's all fun and games. But I think they'll have their opportunity. This is probably just as good as an opportunity they'll ever have to make the Big East final. And who knows what happens at the bottom half of the bracket. So I think Mom is going to really carry them and uh, at least get them to the final, maybe not win the whole thing. But, I I mean, we just – we both of us picked UConn, so I guess they're kind of a sleeper team in that sense. But as we said before, it seems like everyone's picking them now. So they're they're not so much as a sleeper. So I'd go Seton Hall and you go St. John. So that 4-5 matchup has a lot of potential ramifications, it seems like. All right, well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. You can find us by searching VU Hoops or State of the Nova Nation, and you should be able to find us 
either way please check back check often on viewhoops.com we're gonna be pumping out content got the biggest tournament still a big week regardless of who's in or who's out honestly i'm just grateful we're here i know there are a lot of question marks going into this season and just the fact that you know we're talking about this is is pretty good with all things considered and you know what else chris you know it's pretty poetic on saturday we're gonna crown a big east tournament champion it might be villanova it might not be big east tournament gets canned here we are a year later we're actually gonna finish this thing hopefully hopefully well, hopefully. <laughs> I, doubt, I doubt we're going to have anything not, like that again, but you never know. Well, I, not along those lines, but you, you never know. God forbid someone and some program gets it. But I don't know. No, not jinxing it. Not jinxing it. We are going to have a fully clean, healthy tournament. We'll get through it, and everyone's going to be happy. So, yeah, it's like, you know, on one end, you're, you're sad about what happened with Colin Gillespie and your – kind of bummed out that Justin Moore is doubtful for the biggest tournament but on the other hand it's like March is back baby March is back. back it's back and this is all we could have asked for please follow me hoops on social media at me hoops you can do so on Twitter and Instagram and please follow me Eugene Repay at Repay 5 and I'm Chris Danzio I got nothing just stay safe everybody Nova Nation March is here enjoy it as is tradition, we will not be having a Thursday episode. We are going to be fully soaked in onto the Big East tournament, regardless of what happens. The next time we'll chat, it'll be Selection Sunday. Or not Selection Sunday, but after Selection Sunday. So we'll be talking about brackets. We'll be talking about what happened over the weekend. Look back, look forward. And ultimately, just enjoy the fact that March Madness is here. <laughs>